Hello, and welcome to episode two of Drawn to Depict. I know it's been a year, actually, it's been over a year since our first episode, and what a crazy, crazy year it's been. Today's episode is about why are we drawn to works that depict? Why, as painters and draftsmen and sculptors, do we continue to make works that represent people, places, and things? And why, as museum goers, do we go to museums and look at those types of works? What still holds value for us in those types of works? Um, we all know that uh, our love for representational work is, is strong. Um, and hopefully today we can think about why that might be. I can promise you, as always, though, I won't have any answers. Just some questions, just some thoughts. So thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Drawn to Depict. And um, let's look into why we are drawn to works that depict. Thank you. Throughout human history, people of the world have been recording things in images. Images are tied to human experience. They have been used to document, to instruct, and to describe things both seen and unseen, as well as tell stories of people, places, and events. Representational works give us a glimpse of what is, or they present us with what could be. They can be an acknowledgement or a possibility. But above all, works that depict affirm the fact that we have had and are part of the experience of being human. If questions arise like, are representational works still relevant today? And are there still needs that only representational works can meet? We answer with an emphatic yes, because for us, they still hold meaning, confirmation, and delight. So let's look at some functions of representational work and possibly discover our personal point of entry into the love for works that depict. Let's start with Aristotle. He says in Poetics that imitating is innate in man from childhood, and all men delight in imitations. For men delight in seeing likenesses, because in contemplating them, it happens that they are learning and reasoning out what each thing is. For example, that this man is that sort of man. He goes on to say, For if by fortune one has not previously seen what is imitated, the likeness will not produce pleasure as imitation, but because of its execution or surface coloring or some other cause of this sort. Imitating, then, is in accordance with our nature. Well, not only is depicting things in our nature, there are aspects of daily life that continue to draw upon representational images. These modes, like in literature, fill different needs. They are, 
as follows. The narrative, the descriptive, the expositive, the persuasive or argumentative, and the decorative. And before we get into these categories, I would like to mention that I'm not talking about art. I'm just talking about representational work. I'm not going to make a distinction between what is or isn't art. And by by going over these categories, we can see how that we would enter into a work um, through what it presents us. Uh, some of us, uh, when we go into a museum, we might be drawn to the seascapes or the landscapes, or we might be drawn to um, the animal uh, paintings, or we might be drawn to the figures and and different figures in different ways, right? We might be interested in um, the single portrait of somebody, or some of us might be interested in the group portraits or... Um, you know, some of us might be interested in, in the large narratives that are um, painted. Um, so going over these modes really quickly again um, kind of helps us give us a little bit of background. And hopefully as you as you, we go over this, you can think about what it is um, that you're really drawn to in a picture and what, what mode um, of representation really gets your attention and holds your attention. So um, the narrative mode. The narrative mode includes pictures that tell a story, either fiction or non. Uh, The nature of the picture can be religious, historical, mythological, anecdotal, or from literature. Um, Many works from the past fall into this category. I mean, just imagine an art history without it, right? Right. Um, the descriptive mode is comprised of pictures that uh, are made to recreate, invent, or depict a person, place, thing, event, or action. Works in this category would include portraiture, landscapes, uh, specific locations, specific events, uh, a still life work of an inventory nature. This mode, as well as all modes, may be function- fictional or non-fictional. Um, the expositive mode explains and it analyzes information to teach, to inform, to entertain. Uh, such works include scientific illustrations, technical illustrations, uh, maybe academic work um, that is you know, used as a reference for a final uh, work. Um, the persuasive mode uh, presents the validity of an idea or a point of view to convince a viewer of a certain thing. And um, works in this mode include advertisement illustrations, satirical work, political work, or other works that attempt to persuade viewers. We can see how works of Hieronymus Bosch may have been used by the church to show people the need for living a proper life. So even when we think um, maybe, you know, persuasive uh, modes are more of a modern nature, we can see um, that the church definitely used uh, artists to persuade people of uh, Christianity back then uh, in in older times, pre-modern times. Um, And lastly, the decorative mode. The decorative mode works um, of this type are largely ornamental in that they intend to make something more attractive. Uh, Architectural elements, textile designs, and murals have a highly decorative effect. But I would... um, also say that any painting that is made has to have some kind of decorative element to it, right? Um, if, in, if Even if it's a tapestry made for a castle or um, 
you know, a, a mosaic on the floor. I mean, there are decorative elements to it, but all these kind of modes blend together when we when we look at things in terms of the visual, right? Um, and 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 any any other mode, right? Uh, if we if we are talking about stories, whether they're fictional or non-fictional, um, they exist to teach us something, and they do that by being colorful, being entertaining, um, and uh, that's what holds our interest. That's what that's what. Uh, gains popularity, you know, really good stories with really good language. And even um, uh, the words used um, sometimes as a decorative effect, not just necessarily as a descriptive effect or as a narrative effect. So those are the modes um, that uh, keep us involved and um, if we think about works that depict in the terms of those modes, then we can appreciate many more works, um, like scientific illustrations um, people really get into and uh, are fascinated by. Um, and we even look at some of uh, you know, old anatomy uh, studies that are absolutely um, beautiful and uh, uh, they they've kind of taken on for us a, a, a type of art, but getting back to what it is that keeps us coming back to works that depict, right? Um, we come back to works that depict again and again because they hold something for us. What is it that they hold for us? Can we articulate that? Can we say more than, I just really love representational work? I mean, what is it? How can we articulate why we are drawn to works that depict? Why, as a maker of images... Do we continue to make images of things? I think we, as as painters and sculptors and draftsmen of representational imagery, that we really understand what it is about it that drives us um, and have a solid, articulated answer. And not just um, why we... we make things in a representational manner but why we do the way we do them right we don't we don't do this by accident we do it on purpose um if we have a fault uh, we fix it or we leave it but we should have a reason for why that's there so we already know that representational work is all around us being used in different ways Let's now take a look at some reasons why we go to see representational work in museums or galleries. Number one, we go to be entertained. Number two, we go to be educated. And number three, we go to be affirmed or validated. And I think those are three main reasons why um, we go back to representational work. 
Now, there is another aspect, and that is as professionals, we go look at another professional's work, right? As craftsmen, we want to see the best craft of the people of the past and the present working and and how they are working. Um, But I'm going to let that one go for now and not focus on that and just focus more on um, what your everyday museum goer goes to look at work for. So we all go to galleries to be entertained, um, you know, um, but what I mean by entertained is is not sitting around or standing around and and talking to people about the work um, or socializing with some glasses of wine or anything, but I mean going to the actual work, uh, expecting the work um, to entertain you in some way, maybe um, you find it very enjoyable, or maybe you have um, some kind of um, difficulty with it, uh, or some kind of conflict with it. But in any way, um, you expect the work to engage you in some some fashion or not. Um, the the case of uh, being educated, uh, I, I don't necessarily just mean um, you're before a historical painting and um, you get kind of educated on the history of some battle or something like that. That's not exactly what I mean, but I, I mean um, we go to paintings to learn something about ourselves sometimes. Um, we do that before all artwork. You think about film especially or um, written stories, uh, they teach us something, um, even though it might be something obvious, it might be um, the same old moral lesson that we're supposed to learn. Um, we still kind of feel like we've learned something from this particular story, from this particular way it's told or the particular setting that it's in. Um, so, uh, you know, the function of uh, a painting or a work of art can also really be um, educational. And then, and then the last one, to be affirmed. I mean, uh, this goes for both the creator but also the viewer. Um, the viewer just going to picture galleries, museums, and being part of that, you know, world. Um, you know, even just at, at a basic level, like I am human and um, I experienced something like this myself, or I know how that feels because I felt this. Uh, that whole validation um, is uh, an important aspect of uh, of a work of art. And you would have some people argue that um, an, a work, it's not the job of a work of art to do any of these things, um, that solely a work of art is just to be a work of art. And I think the power of representation work has that that ability to educate, to entertain, and to affirm, and, and also much, much more. Um, but uh, if you're a lover of representational work, you know that there's nothing else that can really do it for you. You can go to the modern um, parts of the museum or you can go to a modern art gallery and, and see shapes and colors and splashes and squiggles and 
and it might be on a decorative level, um, visually pleasing, but it's lacking, um, substance for us. For me, um, even, even though a, a representational work might fail in its ability to accurately represent something, um, that's not what I'm looking at, uh, a painting for I'm looking for a painting that to, to move me I'm looking for a painting that um, can move me either visually maybe through its subject um, maybe through the way it's painted um, and you know most likely through its just overall design but um, something that is painted in a context that is showing something else and I think that's you know, everyone who is into representation, or I know that you kind of feel that same way. We we share that, we share that feeling that um, representational work is just something we're deeply, strongly connected to, and and there's just no way it'll ever disappear as long as there are people, as long as there are thinking human beings. People are going to continue to make imitations of things and to use that mode of working to present other things or even to present old things or to present the same things but over and over again we're going to continue to to love and enjoy representational works so anyway that's my thoughts for today and that is where we will wrap up episode two um we'll continue discussing um why it is that we are drawn to depict uh, what makes great works great um that's what the whole podcast is about uh talking about representational works and the love of representational works and people who enjoy them and people who enjoy making them so uh we'll keep this going and uh, hopefully i will see you guys again next time thank you for listening and don't forget this is a community of sharing these thoughts and ideas so i encourage you to see um the facebook page to see the instagram page and go ahead and leave some images of work you like uh you know if you're a painter or a sculptor or uh, a, a maker of any kind of visual representational work go ahead and, and leave us um some pictures i'm looking forward to hearing from you guys um I know that the, the podcast has been a little rough, um, but um, we'll only get better. Um, in future podcasts, I will be interviewing some painter friends of mine, and we'll be talking with them about uh, what it is that they uh, really enjoy from representational work and maybe um, you know, articulate some things about why they do what they do. And um, Anyway, that's the whole, the whole idea about the whole Drawn to Depict, is to find out what, what it is that draws us to do it and that, that draws us to images that are representational and um, try to kind of find out what we can do to make it the best that we can make it. So whether you're a student, whether you're an art lover, whether you're a professional painter, um, this community is for all of us who love uh, representation work. Thank you very much for staying in tune um, and listening, and I look forward to seeing you guys again. Thanks a lot. Have a great day.